Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. what it's like to have that much power over a boy. I don't think I'd want it. It's a lot of responsibility to hold a person's heart in your hands. Jenny Han, to all the boys I've loved before. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by two special guests, Ashley Sherlock, cousin, friend, and former Bookshelf social media guru, and Hunter McClendon of Shelf by Shelf fame. Together, we're reminiscing about all the literary crushes we've had before. Hi, guys. Hey. (laughs) So fun. Hunter's a regular. Ashley, have we recorded together before? Um, I don't think we have. No, uh, maybe we did. Maybe like many, many moons ago. Yes. For like a bonus episode or something. Probably. That feels right. <laughs> um, so when I was brainstorming, I don't know if listeners, if I've told listeners this, but I have every episode from now until the end of the year, like sketched out, <laughs> which, which is really on brand for me as a person. Um, but this was the episode title. I was most proud of. So we are talking about literary crushes because to all the boys I've loved before, P.S. I Love You comes out, I think, perhaps the day we re- the day this episode goes live. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about our experience with the Jenny Han books and then also the movies, which made us probably all read the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to move into our own literary crushes. So talk to me. Hunter, tell me about... Your love or loathing? What is it for to all the boys I've loved before? Um, okay, so I I actually last I read I read them last year. I, w- I watched the movie. I watched the movie first, mm-hmm. and I loved the movie. I was like, this is such a cute movie, it's so great. Um, I loved Peter Kavinsky, and then I read the books last year, and I, and I was on Instagram like narrating every little thought I had because it's it really is it's such a great one to like discuss as you're reading god they are such have you read them Ashley I actually haven't I don't know if I want Peter Kavinsky to be tarnished well that's a legitimate (laughs) concern but the series is so to me so lovely I'm tempted to reread it It, I will say I never do it is it's so delightful but I don't know like there was something that just really frustrated Peter Kavinsky is so different in the books to me. Mm-hmm. And it really made it so hard for me to read because I was just like, wait a minute now. He's kind of a jerk. And I I need... I think Jenny Han mm-hmm. created Peter Kavinsky and I think he is more realistic in the books than the movies. Yes. And in the movies, he's... I mean, I don't even know anything that's wrong with him. There's the, nothing wrong with there's him. Nothing, <laughs> there's and nothing. And that's why I like it. This, like... <laughs> The Peter K- Noah Centineo, Centineo. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley's oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, that's correct. He is perfect. Like that. That is just so. It's so perfect. That's all I can say. It really him. is. Yeah. I hope the second. I've got high expectations for movie number two. I know. And the books. I thought I loved each book mm-hmm. of the series. So I am hopeful for the movies. 
Um, I actually try not, like I follow some celebrities on Instagram, but I try not to follow Noah Centineo because I like his character so much mm-hmm. that I actually don't want to know very much about his personal. Oh, I watched. Like, I follow. Oh, see, I watched him on, no, I watched him on doing an interview and his, he buzzed his hair off or something. Oh yeah, all his hair. And gone. I literally was so upset. I was like. He, he bleached <laughs> he bleached his hair and now it's all gone. Yes. And I'm like, don't do that, man. Like, I know why people do that. Mm-hmm. I understand the impulse because you kind of want to break out from what made you. I get it. Yeah. But also, while you have your hair, you should enjoy it. You mm-hmm. might not have it forever. Yeah. <laughs> also, play into what the people love. Yes. Yeah. Please, give us what we want. <laughs> we have so little. Um, I have... I have mentioned on this podcast before my love for those books and they do tie in interestingly to little women, which is the last time Hunter was on the podcast. Um, because I read an interview with Jenny Han where she said she wanted a homebody protagonist, which is why Ashley, I think you would love this (laughs) because she wanted, she kind of loosely based it on the sister relationship in little women. And she wanted the protagonist to be Beth like, Mm -hmm. um, minus the, Minus the sickliness. Yes. But I I love this idea of like this kind of quiet, homebody, loves her sisters, loves her family character. Um, but Peter Kavinsky in the book, I think is fine. I just think he's a more realistic high school student. Mm-hmm. And in the movies, he is like heartthrob yeah. stereotype, right. which we just sometimes need. I think I was also mildly disappointed because I ended up loving John McLaren. John, Mc- John Ambrose McLaren. John Ambrose McLaren. Got that triple name. Uh, yes. <laughs> I loved him in the second book. Yeah, he's good in the book. And so... Whenever- and the guy that's going to play him is cute. Yes. He's real cute. And, but see, I'm excited to actually see how this goes in the movie because I... I was I was like, she needs to end up with John Ambrose McLaren in the, in the book, but in um. the movie I was like... If anyone steals her away from Peter Kaminsky, I'm over it. So I am excited to see how that goes. I am too. I'm excited. Okay, so that's kind of what we're basing this conversation on. But instead of doing another episode about To All the Boys I've Loved Before, (laughs) I really wanted to talk about literary crushes. So hence, again, the title I am so proud of, To All the Boys in Books I've Loved Before. The staff is so sick of me saying this. (laughs) Except today I said I was telling Laura and Olivia where I was going. And... Um, I told Laura, I was like, the name of the episode is to all the boys and books I've loved before. And she goes, that is so good. And I was like, thank you, Laura. (laughs) I just occasionally want a little credit for, I'm sure that I'm sure there's a new, like a Buzzfeed article or something with this exact same name, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) It's fine. Um, So I want to talk about, I specifically thought about middle and high school, but I am open to modern iterations of this as well. But like maybe when you read a book and for the first time fell in love with a literary character, had a crush, if you will, I can think back. One of my very first crushes was Kyle Chandler in early edition Mm -hmm. and then uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in October Sky. Oh, (laughs) those were my two formative, like early crushes and then I was trying to think basically the the equivalent of that but in literature mm-hmm. so that's kind of what I'm basing this conversation on so I'll start and we'll just do round table um and then we'll kind of talk about what our literary crushes say about us okay I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one because it's kind of obvious but I said on the little women episode it's the first book that ever made me cry and it wasn't sadly because Beth died it was because 
I didn't understand why Lori couldn't be with Joe forever. Mm-hmm. And so Lori was my first, one of my very first literary crushes because I read that book when I was eight. And I'm sure I just almost didn't even know what to do with my feelings. Like didn't know, <laughs> didn't know where they were supposed to go. But I loved Lori so much. As an adult, Olivia laughed at me when I said this today, but as an adult, I find him too sensitive for me as a person. Like, <laughs> like meaning, meaning I could not have married Laurie. Yes. Right. Um, but in the book, I fell in love with this idea of childhood friend, and it's going to come up a lot in Annie's literary crushes. Okay. I feel that. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense, given who I ultimately chose as my spouse. Um, but this idea of your best friend who you guys play outside together, you love each other, but then you grow up and you fall in love with each other. Mm-hmm. So I I think that was formative for me. Lori loved her family. He loved Joe for who she was. Um, he was like my first, my first literary crush. I'll talk about like the I Ching, the like godfather of literary crushes later, but Lori was my first, I bet. Okay. What about you? Um, my, okay, I, this is a really strange one, but I remember I, I started reading Harry Potter when I was seven. Um, I was in third grade. I started with the fourth one. Oh. Don't know why that happened. Um, <laughs> but then I, but then after I read the fourth one, um, the movie came out right around the same time and I watched the first movie. And I remember at first thinking, oh, I identify with Harry Potter. Um, I was not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. <laughs> Uh, but I was like, we are the are same person. Are you a wizard? Uh, you know, pretty close. Um, but then I remember thinking like, um, he and I are the same. He and I would make a really good pairing, not being fully aware of what I was thinking. Uh-huh. And then I remember at, like, as I got a little bit older thinking like, because a girl I was friends with was like, you just want to be Hermione so you can be with Harry Potter. And I was, because this is before, like, we knew about Ron and Hermione. <laughs> and I was so upset because I was like, no, that's not true. But I remember thinking like, but if Harry Potter did want to, that'd be fine. <laughs> but and, actually, yeah. you know, when I Googled literary crushes, Harry Potter is one of the first. And that is so fascinating to me because I... Definitely, like, I sense a theme in all of my crushes, my Mm -hmm. literary crushes. I love a good love triangle. I love a good rom-com trope. But I read Harry Potter and never once thought about any of them as romantic Mm -hmm. partners. So that's fascinating. You're not alone, in other words. I also, I love a tortured hero. Okay. Okay, (laughs) What about you? So, Lori was also going to be my first one, but because of his sensitivity... (laughs) That's exactly. This is how Ashley and I are related, and then diverge. I know. I know. I love. I love a sensitive soul. Um, but I'll, I'll skip that one for now. And I think the first one that I can remember, oh boy, this is my crushes are me in a nutshell. But any any John Green character, um, okay. specifically Miles from Looking for Alaska. Okay. Um, because well, I love that he was like tall and skinny, but named Pudge. Pudge. and and honestly he was just so again sensitive Uh, and curious but independent and like he said that the his teachers were like his only ally which like same (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, and when he whenever he realizes that that something happens to alaska (laughs) and he's like frozen I felt, I get you. Yes. Okay. I feel you. you. Okay. Look, John Green, I will say, does know how to write. It's speaking of like teen kind of, but instead of Peter Kavinsky, which is like a typical, stereotypical heartthrob, I think John Green knows how to write a quirky, yes. you know what I mean? Quirky, a little bit angsty. Yes, yeah. a little bit angsty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, God, y'all, we said, did we say this off air that our crushes say so much about us as people? <laughs> yes. And mine are just old fashioned prude, is all <laughs> of my crushes. Okay, so my next one is Tom Shaw. No one knows who this is, and that's fine. I will explain it to you. So, just like I fell in love with um, Little Women, I have talked before about my adoration for an old fashioned girl. Mm-hmm. I actually would like to reread it. It's been a long time. But the main character in An Old Fashioned Girl is Polly. Polly is like this young, very innocent 14-year-old. She goes to spend the summer with her very wealthy best friend. And the wealthy best friend has a brother named Tom. Polly kind of takes this family under her wing because even though they are wealthy and affluent and privileged, Polly is the one who is content and knows how to make do with what she has, and she really imparts wisdom to them, like Louisa May Alcott books do. Hunter's talked before about the kind of morality Mm -hmm. of Louisa May Alcott's world. But Polly, um, Polly ultimately grows up, and she continues to visit them every summer, and she becomes like one of the family, but she's slowly falling in love with Tom. Tom is kind of a slight bad boy. He's kind of rough around the edges. I adored him. I just wanted, I loved Polly so much, but I also needed, this is probably me, I wanted the goody two-shoes to wind up with the slightly rough around the edges person. I wanted him to fall in love with her because so often it felt like the bad boy never really did fall in love with the goody two-shoes. They just pretended to briefly. But Tom, I mean, spoiler alert, he does fall in love with her. <laughs> and it made me so happy. So Tom Shaw from an old-fashioned girl. I just loved their relationship. Now I have to read that because now I'm intrigued. It It was such a lovely story. There's a scene in an opera that um, really sticks out to me where Polly is sitting there mortified and it it reminded me of who I was. Like, Mm -hmm. super prudish. Like, and I wasn't goody two-shoes like teacher's pet. Goody two-shoes like was very careful about what I watched, what I saw, what I read. Um, And Polly was just super innocent and I think I was very innocent for a long time. And so... She, I just felt a kinship with her. And then it just, I loved that Tom loved Polly. He didn't find that annoying about Polly. So, Tom Shaw. Oh, so good. Um, I, this is very questionable. When I was like an early teenager, one of my favorite books was White Oleander, which is about this girl, Astrid, who goes from foster home to foster home. And the first foster home she's at, she meets this man named Ray, who is like 50 years old. And um, she's 14. <laughs> and it's very, like, very Lolita-esque, very inappropriate. But the way it's written, and if you're very young and you don't have an understanding of, like, <laughs> like what boundaries are, if you're 14 reading this, you're like, oh, yeah, like, it's all great. I loved Ray. And I was like, oh, wow, this 50-year-old man is so <laughs> sweet and wonderful. I love that he's got this pipe. And I love that, you know, his, like, teeth are a little bit rotten and that his hair is receding. It's fine. <laughs> And, like, I was, like, swoony over it. And, like, the guy that she ends up with, Paul Trout, I was like, he's so nice. But then as I read it, when I read it again when I was 16, I was like, okay, I get why she likes Paul Trout. I'm still here for Ray. But, like, now I read it and I'm like, why did I like, I loved Ray. I was like, oh, I hope some 50-year-old man comes and finds me. (laughs) And... That's so disturbing now. But it's tremendous. Like, that's such a 14-year-old thing to think. I was about to say, you can't change who you were even when you were 14. It is what it is. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. That's that. (laughs) Love a good pipe. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think my next one's going to be... This sounds... Okay, disclaimer. I I just read Dear Edward. Mm. Edward started off as a 12-year-old boy in the book. So, like, (laughs) I'm not into 12-year-olds. But... I do love him and and his relationship with Shay, who is his next door neighbor that um, he ends up 
becoming best friends with and spoiler alert <laughs> together, like, together. Um, and they, they grow up together. And then at the end of the book, it's just, Oh, it's so good. And it's like, I was reading this on the way back from uh, Miami last week and it was like they were laying in the grass and it was summertime and mm. they were holding hands mm. and it just was like perfect summer love. Yes. Yes. I love some summer love, but just the fact that Edward had so many problems, like I'm not going to say, I mean, obviously you know what goes on, but he's got so many issues and then he just finds this one person mm. that helps him through you know they have like their rocky periods or whatever but they ultimately end up helping each other yes and their relationship is really sweet in that book Uh, i'll read it guys calm down it's so good (laughs) it's just their relationship i think you forget because so much of that book is about trauma yes but their their childhood friendship is so endearing and innocent like she's his her bedroom is the only place where he can fall asleep and so it's just really her house is one of the only places he finds comfort, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And then you watch them kind of grow up together and the innocence of that kind of fades away and he mm-hmm. can't sleep in a room anymore. And it, uh. it's just kind of, it's really sweet. I loved their, I mean, it goes back to, I don't know. I really have a thing for childhood friendships and becoming relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And she thinks he's a wizard. That's oh. cute. <laughs> because of his issues, I think he would like that. Yeah, she thinks, <laughs> basically thinks he's Harry Potter. <laughs> Um, okay, I wanted to bring it more modern. I have some other old-fashioned ones, but I'll bring it more modern real quick. I was already married when I read these books, but like I said earlier, I love a good love triangle, and I know that's not what the whole book was about. I understand that. But I read The Hunger Games as like an early married person with my book club, and we very much had heated conversations about Team Peta or Team Gale. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always Team Gale, again, not really especially here for the sensitive soul, <laughs> but just because of who I am as a person. I know, like, I know that that's not who's made for me because I, I wouldn't you. be able to, I'd be too, I'd be too much, I'd harsh on their buzz too much. <laughs> it's just true. And so anyway, I really loved the practicality of Gail. And then I remember seeing the movie. And it's not that I hated PETA. I liked PETA. Mm-hmm. But in the books, I really appreciated Gail's, again, friendship with her from an early age. He knew who she was. He liked her strength. He was not intimidated by it. Then fast forward to when the movie is made. And you're basically choosing between Josh Hutch. What is his name? Hutcherson. And then Hemsworth. What's mm-hmm. his first name? I never yeah. remember. Right. That's Wait. not fair. <laughs> yeah. But that's really not fair. Josh, Josh Hutcherson is... Oof, not a Hemsworth, we'll put it that way. Yeah, it's so short. It's so short. And I, look, and I know I can barely say that as a short person, but it's blonde. No offense, Hunter. I, I, I just I don't have, date blonde. I either. have a real hard time with blonde men. And so I saw the movie and felt very justified in my adoration and my appreciation for Gail. Mm-hmm. So um, Gail from The Hunger Games is another literary crush. That is a good one. Yeah. Um, This one is like mildly... Um, it's fine. Ellen Hopkins wrote these books that were like, it's basically like teen, like trauma porn in a way. It's just like, yes. Yeah. And I, they're dark. So, okay. Like, just like, I have to specify like where I was at my headspace when I loved this story. (laughs) I had just gotten out of like some like sad people place. And this book impulse takes place with teens in a sad people place. And there are these kids all try to commit suicide. And there's this guy there named Connor. And 
he turned, he was like, oh, I'm like this bro guy, but he like tries to commit suicide because he's actually secretly gay. Mm. And I remember, I was still very sensitive when I read this, and I remember this moment of just deeply loving him, and he, spoiler alert, he commits suicide at the end. And I remember, I was singing in class, I shouldn't have been reading, it was like history class, but I remember reading that, and I remember my first thought was, if he just met me, I would have made him live. <laughs> and I remember sobbing, and I went to the counselor, she, are you okay? And I was like, I just feel like I could have saved this boy's life. And she was like, <laughs> like, you, and she was like very concerned, she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, Connor, you don't understand. And like, I was devastated. And that, but he, but he was just this like. God, that's a crush for sure. Yeah. Where you think you can save oh, them. Yeah. <laughs> like that is like, yeah. <laughs> that's a big time crush. Yeah. And I like, I, I was so committed to, and, and I remember too, she said, she's like, do you know um, what fiction is? And I was like. <laughs> I was just very offended. Yeah, do like, you? Yeah, I was like, um, this, feels, I was like this feels very real. <laughs> feels real to me. Yeah. All right. Okay. So when we were younger, we being me and Annie, <laughs> um, I don't even remember why you did this. Oh, but no. she would assign books for me. <laughs> Fossey like, from birth. I'm so for, sorry. Like, summer reading or something. I don't know. But one of the books you assigned was Stargirl. Oh. <gasps> Such a good book. I stand by it. <laughs> it was a, such a good book. Now, and I might be remembering this completely incorrectly because I did not research before I came <laughs> But Stargirl is kind of like, she's a weirdo. Yes. An outcast, misunderstood. Yes. And then there's this boy named Leo. Yes. Who notices her. I think that's right. It's been a long time for me, but yeah. And I think, I can't remember if Leo is the one who talks to the old man or if Stargirl is the one who talks to the old man, but... I, that's beside the point. But I just always appreciate... I'm someone who loves an underdog. Mm. Um, and so I appreciate Leo for noticing mm. this girl that nobody else understands. And appreciating her quirks. Like, I yes. do think that's a... This is what goes back to Peter Kavinsky in in the in, I was gonna say in real life oh my gosh in in the movie versus in the sh- in the books because in the books he feels realistic because in real high school it is I don't know that there are very many high school age guys who pay attention to the quirky girl right. and give her the adoration she maybe deserves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I do recall yeah Leo loving Stargirl for her weirdness. Uh-huh. Um, and we don't get a lot of that in American high school experiences, really. Real life at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, high school or real life. Um, okay, I'm going to try... Okay, real quick, I want to talk about George Knightley versus Mr. Darcy. Okay. So I think Mr. Darcy is what everybody thinks of as their crush. I personally don't because I feel like Mr. Darcy. So okay. so I feel like he and I are very similar types of characters. Um he and I are both INTJs, I believe, if you were to Myers, if you were to type us. Um, and I just so I liked him a lot, but I think I mostly liked him because I saw myself in him. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, love the relationship between him and Elizabeth Bennett. But I think when it comes to actual crushes and and men I appreciated in literature, I liked George Knightley in Emma because I liked that he was not afraid to put Emma in her place, but he did it with love. He Mm -hmm. did not do it in a misogynistic way. He did it in a kind, he had known her forever. Mm -hmm. He had known her family forever. And he truly, genuinely cared for her. And he wanted her to always be her best self. 
And I loved that, that he was trying to help Emma basically grow up. He was, he was older than she was. And I think for a long time, I assumed I would marry someone older than I was not like much older, but I just think I thought, Oh, like I'll marry when I'm older. It'll probably be an older person. Yeah. None of that came true. I married, I married <laughs> very young, a person the exact same age as me. Um, but I really appreciated George Knightley's true care for Emma and her family and how much he wanted Emma to be the best version of her. I really liked that about him. I want to see that new movie, too, that's coming out. Oh, I do, too. Yeah. That girl's eyes, though. Oh, see, but I like, I don't know. I feel like it makes her feel very... She's in that movie Thoroughbreds, which is yes. really good. I loved yeah. it. She's also in Split. And a bunch yes, of... she's yeah. in Split. Yeah, yeah, I like... Anyway. Um, okay, this one... Everyone's read this, I'm sure, at this point, but um, A Little Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved both Jude and Willem. And I feel like when I tell people, like, oh, yeah, like, I could have been with either one. People are always like, you could have been with Jude. Um, yes. Because um, I find something so attractive about someone who is suffering. Um, I think that's a theme. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, it's like I think all I'm sensing a pattern. Yeah, they're all suffering. And, um, and I just, I remember thinking to myself when I read the book, I was like, wow, I was like, we would be such good partners because we could just, like, cry together and suffer and... Um, but I also loved Willem because I was like, ooh, he could save me and he could just be my, like, and which is a really toxic, like. Oh, thought. crushes are so, like, the more we talk, the more like, mm, none of I this know. is great. No. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the more I look at this list, I'm like, ooh, like, everyone on my list is like, they're all like very, it's toxic relationships. <laughs> like, they're all really tortured. Like, I either want someone to save me or I want to be saved, <laughs> like, or to uh, save them. <laughs> Like, Super it's very personal. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We should see therapists after. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But yeah, I did. Um, but no, but Willem, though, I mean, come on. You, you I read it. Yeah. I read haven't it. read this one. Oh. I want to. It's good. Oh, Willem. Read it with a box of tissues. Yeah. You, you especially. But Willem is like, he is, he's yes. dreamy, right? But yes. he's blonde. I think. He is blonde. And so that's not, but aside from that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. So, okay, another recent one is. And I don't think this is necessarily a crush, but I just kind of have a soft spot for Connell from Normal People. Oh, yeah. That book just gave me kind of a When Harry Met Sally vibe. Yeah. Um, And I appreciate, so he's poor, living in a rich kid world. Mm-hmm. Um, another underdog situation. I was about to say, a situation you probably found yourself <laughs> in. Feels really yeah, real. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Um, but he's also, like, he's kind of a jerk to, mm-hmm. what's her name? I can't remember. Oh, I don't remember her name either. Mariana. It's Marianne been too long. Something. Um, but he's still, like, introspective and, like, kind of knows he's a jerk in the beginning mm-hmm. and definitely knew he was a jerk by the end of it. I don't know. I just, I don't know why I like him, <laughs> honestly, but... I think I can understand that their relationship was like when Harry met Sally unhealthy. Yes. Does that make sense? That's a good, I had not thought about that until just now, but you're right. It's got when Harry met Sally vibes, except they aren't meant to be together. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. I'm going to do my second to last one. So get ready. So my, this is uh, Teddy Kent. He is from the Emily books, Emily of New Moon by Ellen Montgomery. Teddy Here's why I love him. He, again, is an artistic soul. He's kind of in line with, like, Laurie from uh, Little Women. But he literally wants to be an artist when he grows up. But what I love is that he is really ambitious. And he ultimately, he's he's her neighbor. He's Emily's neighbor in the books. And they are dear friends. And then by book three, you can tell that they have feelings for each other, but they're not quite sure what to do with it because they've been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. 
And I adored how much he had ambition and also loved and respected Emily's ambition. So Teddy wanted to be an artist and Emily wanted to be a writer. And I think a lot of times in literature, we get characters, male or female, who have to give up something for love. And I understand that because love can be sacrificial. But I also really rooted for people who would root for each other. And so Teddy was not intimidated by Emily's ambition or her desires to become this famous writer. And instead, he really supported her in that. And so I loved that. So Teddy Kent from the Emily books. You have, like, such healthy... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've got to reevaluate. Um, man. Um, I'll just... I feel like I just need to go ahead and, like, do a little blanket of a couple people because it's... Basically, there was, like, a couple of years where I kind of discovered like queer boys in mm-hmm. books and that just really if they if I knew that I had a chance I was like this is it <laughs> um but like Sammy Clayman from the amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay Michael Chabon and he like he made, does comic books and he just and he has this cute little relationship I love that Ennis and Jack from Brokeback Mountain I love a cowboy <laughs> um I did one in high school it was great he's one of those that's dead now but I do like that um Elio and Oliver from Call Me By Your Name which swoon but i will say the one that i think that is the most like ugh, is the secret history which is the one who oh. um it's the it's the smart it's not the narrator but it's like the smart he's not gay but he's he's like the smart one who like ends up he shoots himself at the end um and, so many spoilers we're giving away I'm so I know, sorry guys sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like i hesitated so but yeah but that one like i remember i just loved it i was like like whenever whenever he died i was like mm, that's the one <laughs> He would. He could have been for me. Yeah. Okay. So this is actually my, the last one that I have on my list. Um, but Ron Weasley, from Harry Potter. Oh, Ron! I don't have like an actual crush on him because like I'm not into genders. No offense. <laughs> but again, he's an underdog. Yeah. And I ooh, stinking love him. <laughs> he's 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 a dope. He's clumsy. Like he's yeah. always. I don't know. He's always eating something and like that's him on his face. But then, and I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't expecting him and Hermione to be together, I uh-huh. don't think, at the mm-hmm. time. But, I don't know, he just warms, warms my little heart. All those Weasley boys, I feel that. <laughs> I get that. I don't. <laughs> that is, they are not, no. no. All, of, all, all of them except the, the prefect. Oh, the prefect. Uh, uh, Percy. Percy. Percy, that's the that's no, a name. But I just, I think that Weasley family I wouldn't mind being a part of, maybe part, yeah. of, maybe part of it. Yeah. See, that's why, like, an orphan, you don't have to deal with the family. That's exact. I have a friend who says that exact thing. She's on the hunt for an orphan, yeah. so she doesn't have to have in laws. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a real done. thing. Okay. My number one literary crush of all time. I thought hard about this, and I was like, no, this was it. Um, Lori might have been the first, but I think pretty immediately thereafter, and really who I think set the tone for all future relationships, and this is so typical for me, is um, Gilbert Blythe from Anne of Green Gables. Yep. Mm. Here's the reason. Brunette, first of all. We didn't have to worry about this blonde situation. He was Anne's competitor. And I think from an early age, I thought, oh, that's love. Like somebody somebody who will compete with you, who's on your same intellectual level, who will befriend you, um, who will tease you a little bit and isn't afraid to make you mad. Or I don't know who will show up when your family needs them. Like there is something about Gilbert and their academic competition and they're they are equals and i 
love that about their relationship and they were friends turned romantic interests and that is another thing that i am very interested if that in. is not you and jordan very <laughs> I, I did think i was like but i thought um like when in all of my googling today and trying to make sure like i wasn't missing any main literary major literary crushes there was like an article about what your literary crush says about you. And it was like, uh, Gilbert Blythe was one of them. And I was like, oh good, what does this say about me? And it was like, you think romance is a childhood friendship turned romantic relationship. Good luck finding that. And I was like, no, that's absolutely true. I did meet Jordan Jones when I was 18, um, which is basically a child. And we were competitors. Like that's what we were in school. Like if you asked our friends, we were definitely friends and friendly and tease each other a lot, but also very much, he was my academic, he was my sparring partner. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so it's just funny to look back and think, oh, I read Anne of Green Gables when I was between the ages of eight and 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was, for me, I was like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And okay, found it done. Yeah. <laughs> Check it off the list. I love <laughs> so, so that was my, that was my biggest crush. Anybody else you want to round out with? Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say my biggest crush was Charlie from Perks and Wallflower, but oh. but that's actually not true. Like he, he that was the he one falls right into your category. I know so. that's the thing. And I was like, well, I was like, what's one that doesn't? And I was like, I was like, what's like the first one that I remember distinctly? And actually, the one that I've forgotten about until just now was it's in the Secret Garden. It's the boy who she like the ground. Is, is it Peter? Is, is he his name one, Peter? Is he the one who like goes in the not the one in the wheelchair? Okay. The other one. Oh, the one who takes care of the garden. Yes. Yes. Oh, gosh, I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name, but I just remember when I was little, like, that was, like, one of the first times that I remember being, like, oh. Like, uh-huh. I just love, I love somebody who, like, could just, like, take care of themselves, which is really yes. funny, because, like, I, I love, like, r- like, rugged, hardcore, like, you know, and then, like, I married somebody who cries at everything. Um, <laughs> but Tyler does take care of himself. He Oh, he takes care of himself and me, um, <laughs> and that's what I need. Yeah. So. Ashley, did you, was Ron your... Ron was my last one. Your big one. Yep. Um, I did want to just, I throw out there for brief discussion because we're running out of time, but when I did Google for literary crushes, one that came up repeatedly, and this was fascinating to me, was Atticus Finch. Yes. I, me too. Uh-oh. And I'm going to be honest with you. You all know my appreciation and love yeah. for that book. Oh, yeah. I never considered Atticus a love yeah. Like somebody I had a crush on ever. Um, now Gregory Peck is attractive, yeah. but even when I watched the movie, I just saw him as like now one of the maybe pictures of manhood that I was interested in. Like right. he had integrity, was but like I never thought of him as a crush. Or maybe if you like were to read it for the first time as an adult or something, maybe, maybe. so. But I don't. Yeah. He's but he's like a father. He's right. Not yeah. like a, he's not like a right. daddy. So maybe it's just people. <laughs> <laughs> Just people with daddy issues. I don't know. It came Actually, up in like every website I looked well, up. Well, that's the case. I should have liked. I don't know. Fine. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there for a discussion. I never. He does not to me fall under the category of literary crushes. No, no not for me. Guys, this was super fun. Yeah, yeah was, I think we have a lot to learn about our own love lives. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> From the front porch is a weekly podcast production of the Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow the Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect tone for our warm and friendly conversations. Hunter and Ashley, what are you guys reading this week? 
I am listening to Such a Fun Age <gasps> on Libro FM. I still have not um, read that one because Annie left it at the airport and I wanted to borrow the copy. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Still it's still bitter. I'm still bitter. It's a really good audiobook. Okay. I've heard it's a good I audiobook. Have on, I have it on audiobook. I'm just bitter. Um, I'm listening to Flowers in the Attic. Oh. And it is, um, it's better. Steamy. Yeah, and it's better to be listened to than read because when you read it, you can see that it's not that good. But listening <laughs> is great. Um, I am reading Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Oh. So good. Okay. Oh, it's so good. I adore it. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where, by the way, you can hear an interview with Kylie Reed, author of Such a Fun Age. You can get our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.